Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another wonderful Sunday. It's 1 p.m. and you know what that means. It's time for Grim Creepers, baby. So we were trying to figure out what our uh, theme for this week's show should be, and we realized our show fell on Easter Sunday. Oh. And, uh, you know, a lot of people wonder, what what's Easter really about? You know, there's rabbits, there's Jesus, there's candy. And you know what? When it really boils down to thing, it's about zombies. Yeah. Right? Jesus was the very first zombie, if you didn't already know that. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what I was thinking, right? Rose from the dead. And, you know, I would not be surprised if he ate a little flesh on his way out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the body and blood of Christ, isn't that a big part of it? Yeah, in fact, all Catholics are zombies. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> all <they're> Catholics <laughs> are zombies. It's you definitive. cannot dispute this. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're always eating the body of Christ. Yeah, and um, if you didn't know, there's been well over 300 zombie movies, and a third of these movies came out after 2000. It's a massive, like, even if it hasn't been the forefront of our culture, it's always been kind of a subculture lurking in the background. Absolutely, and it always resurges in popularity around times of, like, social unrest, Mm -hmm. like when Walking Dead uh, suddenly shot up in popularity again. Um, I think that a huge thing we're going to talk about today and why I'm so excited to do this episode is because the lore of zombies is so ingrained with social unrest. Absolutely. Right? And And I think (laughs) you have a lot of great information on this. But yeah, a lot of of zombies are just based on different areas of what people are uncomfortable with uh, socially. Yeah, a lot of the sources I found noted that zombies don't really have a literary equivalent in Western culture. I mean, there's, as I'm going to talk about, it comes from Haitian zombies, which got adapted into a lot of movies in the 30s, but there wasn't really a reference point for a lot of Americans to understand what a zombie is. So there's been a lot of fluidity. They've been able to change over time. And I think we're going to do a great job of diving into how they've evolved. Yeah, absolutely. So I have Liz in studio here today um, because part of what we're going to be talking about a little bit later is uh, how the zombie history relates a lot into pop culture and zombie movies. Liz is kind of a horror movie aficionado. I am. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll get into that and how it relates to like the history of zombies. That Let's was a nice little it. sneak peek, yeah. as we've already touched on. The depictions really vary based on their origin. And last week I talked about European revenants, which sort of embody medieval anxieties about the defiling of dead bodies. The Haitian undead, on the other hand symbolize something very different and to talk about those zombies i want to give you a brief history of haiti because i think it's important context in 1697 haiti was colonized by france and the colonists brought over so many african slaves to work on haitian plantations that by the 18th century slaves far outnumbers the french imperialists in 1791 a voodoo ceremony signaled the beginning of the haitian revolution After 10 years of brutal violence, Haiti emerged triumphant and became the only locale in history for a successful slave revolution. Hell yeah. (laughs) Resulting in the first black republic. Yes. 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 
Let's hear it for Haiti. That's black girl magic right there. (laughs) (laughs) Like the French Revolution, Haiti's independence movement was followed by a bunch of coups, um, assassinations, Mm -hmm. and political turmoil, which, of course, led the United States Marines to invade Haiti in 1915. They claim to be interested in modernizing Haiti. Oh, of course. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Let's establish a stable democracy. But you know what they were really there for. That's what all white people go to non-white countries to do, right? (laughs) We just want to help them build the democracy that's it certainly not take advantage of their haitian labor for our right. colonial power not not uh okay i was gonna go somewhere dark let's just keep it <laughs> this one might be end up being a little dark we're You'll five find. minutes into the show <laughs> yeah as much as i want to talk about zombies i think that the racial element is going to be really important in establishing mm. this absolutely absolutely so under colonial rule haitians developed a religion that fused western christian with the spiritual traditions of West and Central Africa, where most of the slaves migrated from, unwillingly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, migrated. (laughs) Quote, unquote. (laughs) This belief system was commonly known as voodoo, a set of rituals focused on death and the spirit world. The voodoo you do. Okay, sorry. Chugga, chugga, choo, choo. Uh, Voodoo was both frightening and fascinating to white Westerners. Hollywood films frequently exoticized the use of voodoo dolls, potions, and love charms. They're so bad. Yeah. There's those, those movies just, uh, they just make, like, the most uncomfortable. I'm just like, oh my mm-hmm. god, this is so bad. Yeah, on one hand, the cheese value is good, but to American filmmakers, voodoo was less of a religion and more of a set of savage superstitions they could exploit. Right. Yeah. The first documented use of the word zombie comes from tr- French travel writer Moreau de Saint-Marie. I, I, it's been a while take, since I've taken my French class. You killed it. Thank you. You smashed Merci. that. Hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh-huh. After talking to the slaves of colonial Saint-Dominique, he noted their belief that a corpse could be resurrected. There's actually two kinds of zombies, that, and one of them we don't get to touch on much. The first is the zombie of the body, which most people know. Right. It's a soulless, undead creature controlled by a voodoo priest known as a boker. Wait, so that's like Jesus, right? <laughs> if Jesus were under the power of like an evil necromancer, God, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, we're ten minutes in. <laughs> heavy, heavy on the heretical stuff. But Happy that's, Easter, yeah. everybody! <laughs> Happy Easter. We're a bunch of soulless heathens, <laughs> and I don't have a problem with that. It's fantastic. Sorry, Dad. I know Sh- you're listening. Shoutouts to heathens. <laughs> So through sorcery or necromancy, this zombie is stripped of its autonomy and forced to perform backbreaking labor, which may sound mm. familiar. Sounds a wee bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds quite familiar, yes. Mm-hmm. There's also the zombies of the spirit, uh, which is a soul that has been separated from the body. And Bokor, these voodoo priests, can actually bottle these souls and use them to bring luck or heal the sick. Oh, wow. I mean, that sucks for the soul, but like... <laughs> yeah, I know. Kind of trapped in there, but yeah. I mean... You're medicine now, sorry. They're being put to good use, I guess. It's sort of, of like... freaks me out so much. Make good yeah, compost right? to the bodies, so... <laughs> at least we're being useful after we die. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Throw the bodies in the compost pit, bottle up that soul. We use every part of the animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't until William Seabrook's 1929 novel, The Magic Island, that Westerners were introduced to the idea of zombies. 
Seabrook describes the creatures as a soulless human corpse, still dead, but taken from the grave and endowed by sorcery with a mechanical semblance of life. Ooh. Yeah. Seabrook even claimed to have seen the zombies firsthand, plodding like brutes, like automatons. Their eyes were the worst. They were, (laughs) (laughs) they were in truth the eyes of a dead man, not blind, but staring, unfocused, unseeing. (laughs) Yeah. So creepy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of those eyes out here in San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're all dead inside from working so much. (laughs) The, the, The cost of rent has sucked our souls long ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's capitalism for you. And we're going to get a lot into that, too. Uh huh. Uh huh. I can't wait. Little teaser. Little teaser. <laughs> Little teaser for what's coming up. The book was a huge hit and is basically credited with popularizing zombies in American media. What was what was the name of that book again? The Magic Island. Mag- it sounds so much more fun than it probably is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is sort of that cultural fetishism of uh, voodoo practices, but um, it's interesting to say the least. It actually served as the basis for the first zombie movie, White Zombie, starring Bella Lugosi. Yes. Okay. Quick second to t- take a second out. So I wasn't here. I wasn't here last weekend. And that's because I was at Monster Palooza in mm-hmm. LA, which is like a, a convention about uh, horror movie special effects makeup and horror movie culture in general. And the Lagasse family was there. That's so cool. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, I also I also saw Linda Blair. Um, we went to the Fangoria booth. Um, so I'll post some pictures from our time there um, on the blog. I won't talk much more about it, maybe a little bit later, but just it seemed like an opportune time to bring it up. You should post some stuff on the Instagram, too. I think that would be great for people to see that. Yeah, um, Calypso Agency designed some great like Monster High type costumes, so I'll Mm. I'll show y'all what we were working with. Fantastic! I saw just a couple of them on your Instagram story, but I know you you've probably got a whole lot more that I can really sink my teeth into. Oh yes, (laughs) juicy like big old veins. A little suggestive, but moving on. White Zombies, starring (laughs) Bella Lugosi. I was thinking from like a blood sucking aspect, just to, just to clarify there. Sure, you were. So we'll go white white zombies. Back to white back to white zombies. So this movie's about an evil voodoo master named Murder Legendre. Okay, changing my name to that. I know, right? <laughs> I think that would be a great like burlesque name too. Ooh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Liz and I both have gears <laughs> running right now. I'm talking your language. Yes. Yeah. And maybe Bella Lugosi was a burlesque performer. We'll never know. Hmm. I love that fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> so he kidnaps this young woman and basically turns her into a zombie slave. The movie sensationalized and distorted this Haitian zombie folklore in order to appeal to American audiences. Right. So they pretty much told the story of any married woman like before <laughs> 1970. Yup. Yup. <laughs> this appropriation of Afro-Caribbean culture is what Toni Morrison calls American Africanism or the denotative and connotative blackness. What we call uh, in these day and age, the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Those spray tans. That's total appropriation. Yeah. I'm sure your hair is really that kinky, Chloe. Give me a break. <laughs> Sort of the same thing with Ariana Grande, too. Oh, I can't. I can't with her. It's like... Like the old pictures of her when she's so white, and then now it's like... What is all yeah, of that bronzer? You what are you doing? Tan. Take those ponytails back to the uh, beauty supply store. They're not for you, honey. Shots fired. 
Come at me, Ariana Grande. <laughs> we'll catch these hands. <laughs> catch these hands. We're having too much fun with this. I, I can't get through it. The denotative and connotative blackness that African peoples have come to signify, as well as the entire range of views, assumptions, readings, and misreadings that accompany Eurocentric learning about these people. As a trope, little restraint has been attached to its uses. White Zombie, I Walked with a Zombie, and Revolt of the Zombies are all 1930 zombie movies which feature sorcerers plotting for domination over white women. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we got to save the white women. We got to oh, protect gosh. them. I think we're getting somewhere with this, so I'm not going to jump the gun. But mm-hmm. that that's really fascinating that the earlier zombie movies all had to do with sorcerers controlling bodies or controlling spirits. So there's a third party involved. Yeah, it okay. was basically a possession. You'll see that a little bit, too, in some of the earlier like European ones. Not all of them. There's two modes of zombies. There's the ones that are controlled by an outside force and the ones that come to life seemingly on their own. Right. Um, These movies also tend to portray black people as uncivilized, superstitious, and wicked. Mm -hmm. And the horror of these movies comes from the fact that a white protagonist is basically enslaved by a scary foreign person, usually brown. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? An interesting trend. So it's really unfortunate that what began as like this critique of colonialism and slavery morphed into this racist caricature, but that's kind of Hollywood for you. That is exactly how it goes. We've talked about this before, but it seems like white people are just so afraid of being colonized by like other people. You don't say. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like, oh, you know what? We know firsthand how horrible this is. (laughs) Please don't do it back to us. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty bad. It was really good for us. But like, I can kind of imagine that it would suck to be like on the other end of it. Like, you'll see it in yeah. zom- um, uh, alien movies, especially. I was yes. going to say, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- yeah, it's like uh, foreign imperial power. It's got to be like sci-fi in nature because how else would they managed to take down the whiteies right exactly. <laughs> well yeah this is what we're talking about the white people already had all the power so they're like okay we should be good but someone could do this to us but no one's more powerful than us on earth must be aliens <laughs> must be aliens <laughs> yeah it seems like zombies and haitian folklore are this obvious symbol of black oppression and the only way for white audiences to sympathize is to imagine white people being oppressed that's exactly what you see in White Zombie. It's these hordes of like Haitian zombies, but the real conflict comes from the white woman protagonist getting turned by this scary right. Bella Lugosi figure. Oh my god, yeah, we can't have our uh we can't have our white women uh <laughs> you know too involved with these dark-skinned people cuz they're going to suck her soul and she's going to be mindless. Mhm. Got to protect the white women. White women. <laughs> And we don't need protecting. I think I I think I got it on my own. What and, is this like? Yeah. I'll take some protecting. <laughs> yeah. Anyone got a shield? I'd like a shield. A shield would be so nice. And a I, sword? Dude, Who's going to buy me a sword? Can we bring back swords? Bring back swords. Bring back swords. Okay. I'm I mean, down. I think I they've... I trust myself with one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, if I was walking down a street with a sword in my sheath, I would be causing all kinds of problems. And I just think, <laughs> shwing! <laughs> 
you want to you want to have a conversation about this? I think there's some kind of permit process for it that you can actually get. But really? that's wild yeah. that that exists. Mm-hmm. I'm licensed to wield this baby. I heard I heard this story about this guy with bipolar disorder who was in like a full manic episode, and he was like, "I want to buy a sword," and so he oh, did, me. and he found like the entire legal procedure for like open carry basically for swords <laughs> and he printed it out and so when he was carrying it around just like walking around the street a <laughs> cop approached him and he like pulled out this list and was like here's my receipts I love that I hate that that's something I would actually do <laughs> that is something that you would actually do like yeah same oh, I'm I'm licensed to carry this. Here are my papers. (laughs) I mean, guns aren't an issue for open carry, so why would a sword be that much more? Depends on where you are. Yeah, it's true. uh, Does stand your ground law still apply if you have a sword? That's a good question. (laughs) I will slice you. As we all know, there are no laws in Florida, so it's True. probably yeah. fine. Yeah, it's pretty much anything goes out there. You can have two swords. Two swords. Ooh. <laughs> you could be riding down the ho- or you could be riding down the street on a horse wasted wielding two swords and like that's some Tuesday. That's that like- sounds so fun though. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I want that to be my Tuesday. Grim Creeper's road trip to Florida. We're going to get wasted and ride some horses with swords, baby. Swords and monsters. I mean, we need something (laughs) to get that swamp ape. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, my God. Swamp ape hunting trip with drunk horses and swords. I mean, this is going to get any better than this. That sounds like a great, like, buddy comedy. It seems like it should have, like, Seth Rogen in it. Oh, my God. Wait. Camille and Inez. Fighting Swamp Thing on some horses, drunk with swords and <laughs> taking drugs and <laughs> what? Did in I the that? swamps and yeah. riding horses. <laughs> God, what an adventure. I need that. I need that in my life. So back to depressing racism. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That's what we were, That's what we were talking, talking about. about. <laughs> According to an essay by Ann Cordes, The object of terror in the zombie film was not the black zombie. The truly terrifying creature was the zombie master, the creator and controller of the zombies. Mm -hmm. Who mans the panopticon? (laughs) (laughs) The zombie master evoked fear not by making zombies of people of African descent, but by using his ability to control these creatures to harm whites. Even more terrifying was the zombie master's ability to make zombies of white men and especially white women. Harm white women. White women. Harm done to blacks did not frighten white Americans. The zombie master's power to harm whites and reduce them to a servile condition similar to that of blacks was the true source of horror. <laughs> white people are like watching these movies like, oh what? You're just gonna you're gonna steal their souls and make a mindless worker? We did that. Show us something else. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> eh, that's nothing new. Yeah. I do that every day with my slaves. <laughs> you think this is special? Not until they capture and possess that ingenue, that right? lovely white woman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as more filmmakers began to adopt zombie genre, it started to stray away from those racist undertones. And eventually, like you said, zombies became a stand-in for any societal problem. Zombie movies of the 40s were mostly concerned with the threat of nuclear war. Mm -hmm. The 50s saw a shift toward the undead as an allegory for the spread of communism. Right. Mm -hmm. The way a zombie's written 
is completely dependent on the fears of the dominant ideology. Yeah. Right. Which is part of what makes zombies so special. Like, vampires seem to have a pretty stagnant symbolism. Right. But zombies, they can be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And like, there are certain films where zombies represent two or three different social horrors mm-hmm. just within the same film. We're going to talk about that a little later. But before we do that, why don't we play some music? Let's listen to Night of the Living Dead by The Misfits. All right, we're back with more zombies on Grim Creepers. Oh, brains. (laughs) Give me some brains. I just want some brains, baby. Oh, I could really use one. I mean, I feel like (laughs) if if I only only had had a brain. brain. (laughs) I feel like I've lost it. I could just while away the hours. You know, conferring with with the the flowers. Consulting with the rain. And my head I'd be scratching. My thoughts were busy hatching. If I only had a brain. Brain, if only. (laughs) So we're going to spend five minutes doing zombie impressions starting now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we were basically talking in the first half all about Haitian zombies and the racial symbolism of that because it's really, really heavy, especially in early Hollywood, too, because zombies didn't really emerge until the 30s. They weren't existent in American culture. But after that, it really picked up and it sort of morphed. What started as a pretty racist monster became a stand-in for all kinds of societal fears. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so we could talk about the, the time where the name of zombie kind of shifted from the voodoo master controlling zombies. And I think it was right around Night of the Living Dead is the movie that really co-opted the term zombie for undead brainless human. And I think like more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when we really got the shift from like, we see what zombies are and they look like today in Night of the Living Dead. Um, But I wanted to talk about uh, one, I think one of the richest zombie movies, which is Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Another um, George Romero. Mm-hmm. Same guy as uh, Neither of the Living Dead. George Romero is just like, he's the godfather of the modern zombie, I would say, right? Absolutely. Like, he definitely... He yeah. definitely paved the way. Even though, actually, this is interesting. The word zombie wasn't actually used in Night of the Living Dead. They were called ghouls. But it really mm. did bring that survivalist element, the horde of like a infection, almost like a plague that's taking over. Mm. And uh, a lot of racial undertones. The main character is black. And it's fantastic because he survives like the longest. Spoiler alert. I think he does die at some point, too. But yeah. Everybody dies. Spoiler alert. Hashtag spoiler. I mean, I know it came out like 50 years ago, but still. Uh, Yeah, it's... uh, Oh, you know what's really interesting about Dawn of the Dead also? Mm -hmm. It's not available... The 1978 version is not available to stream anywhere. Anywhere. They specifically have not sold it to any streaming services because it enriches its presence on disc. So it has so many more actual DVD sales Mm -hmm. because it's not available to stream. But it's such a niche movie that people who want to watch it really want to watch it yeah and so uh, that's a way that they've been able to like maintain um a good system of selling 
DVDs. It's the same way with a lot of other zombie movies. Um, you'll see a lot of direct-to-DVD, like, homemade zombie movies because people are just so interested in this genre and they want to add to this, like, massive canon of zombie lore. Yeah. yeah. So, Dawn of the Dead, let's just talk about the first five minutes of the movie, <laughs> right? So, it it covers a lot of different, um, you know, social anxieties, but right <laughs> Right off the bat, within the first three minutes of the movie, someone says, we're going to shoot all their Puerto Rican and N-word asses. Um, So, and then they shoot up an entire building of uh, like Puerto Rican and black people. So the way that this movie starts is like this SWAT team or whatever going into this building full of people of color and they have zero regard for their life. And it's like uh, something like an eviction or something. I don't even know what they're doing, but they go in there and they gas the building. You see, like, black mothers, children, everyone coughing yeah. and running out. They blow this black guy's head off. No oh. zombies yet. No, These are just regular humans. Shoot his head off. So it's showing such a blatant regard for black lives and, yeah. uh, pe- like, people of color's lives. And I think that really informs the rest of the movie. That's an important shift, too, in zombie media. Because as we were talking about, black people were not portrayed very sympathetically. They weren't the primary, like victims in the earlier zombie movies but now it's very explicit like this is oppression and it has nothing to do with zombies at least in the beginning like right it's, it's just, just something that's so pervasive in our culture totally and i i said that to liz too i was like wow this is the real horror movie they don't even need to go any further than Basically. this like mm-hmm. this is this is the real horror movie so yeah it, it shows this blatant disregard for the lives of people of color mm-hmm. which um definitely informs the the zombies going forward and so the way that this scene evolves is they're killing all these people um and suddenly they realize that they're zombies um and so the zombies are all corralled and killed in this building, but uh, there's this weird dynamic of the senseless taking of lives because at first you see these white men senselessly taking the lives of all these people of color, Mm -hmm. but then the tides turn and not only do you have now, uh, now you have these senseless beings killing all these white guys in the same way. So it sort of forces this perspective shift, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. There's not a whole lot of motivation behind the zombies, like, thirst for blood, except the fact that they're preying on other people, which is why it's such a great stand-in for oppression. It's like these entities that just come and suck the life out of you for no reason other than they need it to survive, and they have no regard for your condition. Seriously, yeah. And actually, one thing they say in a newscast about the zombies um, that comes up during the movie He says they cannot be called, it's talking about if they're cannibals or not. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about they can't be called cannibals because they don't feed on each other. They only feed on humans. So yes, they're humans, but there's an element of otherness where they Mm -hmm. see them as enemies. But he says they're controlled by pure motorized instinct. Their only drive is for food. Yeah, cannibalism has to have that element of I am a human and I am going to eat other humans. That's the taboo there. But zombies aren't quite human. There's something that's either possessing them or just uh, disrupting their nature to make them so callous and automaton-like. Mm-hmm. I think that sinks to the otherness um, mm-hmm. of of racial divides, right? Like you see these people not as other humans, but as a force that is 
either like brainless and against you, a force that's coming to take your white women, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. It is really just it. I think it shows how people saw people of color in that time. And yeah. I think George Romero with this movie is bringing more light to that. But mm-hmm. the movies up until that point really show like these people are not human. They are not thinking critically. They just want to rape our women and like do this, that and the other. Um, but we can just shoot their heads off. Yeah, what's interesting is the original Night of the Living Dead came out sort of in the midst of, you know, the civil rights movement. Right. And it would be showed in uh, theaters to black inner city audiences with this other movie that was about slavery. And so hmm. they would be shown back to back as a double feature. And the whole message was just um, about oppression. It's like otherness for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was so watching this movie. <laughs> it's rich. Like even within the first 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, so the race stuff starts and uh, you see our, our black lead is very attuned to the senseless killing of the people of color. So his ho- sort of he's going through this movie with this air of, you know, because it's him and the the two white guys, the other cop and the newscaster and then the white woman. And um, he sort of is attuned to. I almost said two curse words. <laughs> uh, he's kind of attuned to the bullcrap that's going on. Good catch. As, as, things, <laughs> as things go down. Like, I remember this one scene in particular, the newscaster who they call Flyboy, um, ended up just, like, gunning down a zombie, but almost shot dude yep. down, uh, kind of due, due to disregard. Mm. Um, and so a little bit later on, he puts a gun in that guy's face, and he's like, doesn't feel so good does it and i think that's a very telling moment yeah. right yeah. where he's like i just watched y'all gun down all these people without any regard doesn't really feel so good to have a gun in your face does it they show very clearly in the movie that his his knowledge of the situation and his i guess um the way that he's seen things actually go down help him survive the longest because Yeah, it's true that people of color are the best at being able to survive this oppressive capitalist system that has disadvantaged them. So when you substitute that system for zombies, of course, they're going to have the survival skills that they need, which is why it's such an affront when like white filmmakers will have the first like victim just be some black guy and maybe he doesn't even Mm. have a name it's just like okay well that's really disrespectful Uh, it's like the less dead too and the thing is like it's not even thought about it's crazy because it's a trope that's appeared so many times but it's not even when directors do this it's not like they're like we hate black people so we want the black guy to die first it's more just like it's just not regard. A lot of people are just like, the black character isn't the lead. They're usually some sort of foil. And so it's an easy character to kill off yeah. first. Yeah, it's like expendable, basically. Exactly. And it, it happens in pattern because that's how directors feel about black people. Not mm. so much that they hate them and they want them to die first. They just don't cast them as leads. And their role is usually the one that like dies first. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. It's not a conscious bias necessarily. It might be, but um, it can present itself in all kinds of unconscious ways in the way people write. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, I mean, uh, some current pop culture, you know, not a, f- a few weeks ago, Jordan Peele made that comment, I'm not going to cast a white lead mm-hmm. in my movie. I've seen that story before. And a lot of people got really upset about that, but He's no. not wrong. Yeah, it's like, we can have what? 
almost a hundred years of movie media and almost everything is a white protagonist. Mm -hmm. One director wants to make movies without a white protagonist and people lose their minds. They lose their minds. Yeah, it's like this unconscious bias is so pervasive that they don't even realize that this has become the default, like the white protagonists and just the white centric narrative. And so we're not getting all of these other stories that need to be told. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And a a lot of these movies where you do see a black protagonist, it's either like the magical Negro trope or like, you know, they play some role that is still within relation to the white characters. Mm -hmm. The Samuel Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, the Samuel L. Jackson, Mm -hmm. exactly. Or like the um, Morgan Freeman, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, he's God, but the white guy is really like, he's the fucking lead. There's definitely the lead an, in the story. Yeah, an element of tokenism for sure. Yeah. It's like what once became just like, oh, it's an all white cast. These are all the ones that are important. They realized, okay, we're going to just bring in this tiny little splash so that people don't criticize us. But it's still not really changing the fact that this is the ideology we're being fed so often. Yeah. And I would love to see a zombie movie that takes those original elements of Haitian zombie culture that I was talking about and really brings them into play. Right. Well, yeah. And you know what's so funny is that all the fears that were projected in these early movies that, you know, white people have fears that these black people, these Haitians are going to use their magic to defile their women and cause all these problems. And in reality, that's exactly what white people did mm-hmm. yeah. with colonialism, with their religion. They use their magic to oppress like so many people people of color and other what like probably millions yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like trying to think of a number and i'm like i can't even i can't even think of a number it's hard to quantify <laughs> because there's not a whole lot of recorded stuff but it's definitely i mean there was enough um people exterminated during colonialism to change literally the climate yeah I, yeah, yeah. wow yeah that was an article i read recently i wish i could remember the source and maybe i can find that and post that somewhere yeah that's fascinating mm-hmm. and i'm not surprised at all no you of know? course not so it is cool to see the tropes change kind of as people as history is history was rewritten. Mm -hmm. So now that it's going back and kind of being exposed for um, what the actual horrific history of colonialism in not even the US, but in every part of the world is, we're starting to see the tropes in movies change. Mm -hmm. And that's why something like Get Out was such a groundbreaker. Mm -hmm. Because for once we have a movie that surrounds kind of around racial horror and you have white people as the antagonist, but it's not done in some like campy way. It's not done in some like pandering way. Yeah. It's just a great written movie that has claws so deep in the social climate that the horror writes itself. Yeah, you know? and it really goes to show that the most important element is just getting people of color to direct, to act, to mm-hmm. write. That's yes. what's missing. It's That's just, all we need. Yeah, <laughs> even consulting, but really, it's better for them to have like a dominant role in the like production of the movie yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, that's what's so disappointing is i love horror movies so much and going and movies in general just going back and watching some of the classics that i love the 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 racism the underlying racism is so overwhelming sometimes it's hard for me to watch or like really enjoy you know and all i'm thinking like okay this isn't really a horror movie but um What's the movie with Bruce Willis and the alien girl? Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Bruce Willis movies. Oh, no. I know. It's it's 
okay, I'll circle back to that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's pretty much uh, Chris Rock plays this, like, this character that's such a, like, it's just a caricature of, of a black person. And, like, it's a good movie. Is it Independence Day? Third Element. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like the third element or something like that. Okay. Back to horror movies. Actually, <laughs> do you want to wanna go in some music? Camille has curated some amazing zombie music for today's show. Um, so we're going to feature a lot of it. Yeah, I would love to play a little bit more of this because it's just so fabulous. Let's yes. listen to Voodoo Rhythm by The Meteors. Hey. Welcome back. Just a little reminder, you're listening to Grim Creepers here on KSFS Radio. We're on every Sunday, 1 to 2 p.m. for all things creepy. All right. So we're back. We were talking about Dawn of the Dead uh, before we went to that little musical break. And Mm -hmm. one thing that Liz brought up when we were watching it, um, because she's really into um movie like effects and stuff mm-hmm. like that and one she she brought up was the blue skin how there's this there's this whole genre of zombie movies where everybody's in the like the blue, very very exaggerated blue skin mm. which i originally thought was maybe too like oh they're dead it's a lack of oxygen but it's it's so exaggerated to a point where it's like, it, to me, it's not realistic. Right, yeah. So what she, she was saying, yeah, usually you think zombie, they're undead. Pale skin, rotting skin, green yeah. skin. Why are all these people they're just like in these blue. like dark blues? And I thought about it and I'm like, oh, well, these are obviously to indicate these racial struggles. Like these mm-hmm. zombies are people of color. So that's why rather than having them super white, ain't no one afraid of white people. Yeah. <laughs> Ask him over for dinner. That's my cousin. Like, <laughs> like, but you know, you need to really make them look like what's scary in society yeah. and what's scary is people with dark skin. Mm-hmm. What talk about what what else you really liked about uh, Dawn of the Dead? Because you had some good stuff to say. Um, I mean, one of the other things that I was really into because I'm a big gore person, yes. and with in a film of that age, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be um th- for there to be much attention on that aspect right. of 1979. it. Nineteen seventy is usually pretty campy. Yeah, exactly. And while it is still kind of a little bit campy, um. I was really surprised by there's that one scene that really got me yes, I know where one about. of the zombies just takes a bite out of this dude's shoulder and you can see the entire chunk of his shoulder come off. Yes, <gasps> it looks really good. And it, like, it, it was genuinely like really good because with a movie like that, I really expect like kind of a very blood spurty and you can tell that it's not. It's like they a didn't put a lot of effort into of melted it. chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got that tube <laughs> coming out. See, yeah. You like you can see like they put detail into like the muscle and like yeah, the, the tissue. See the skin rip with the, <laughs> away from the bone. It's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. gnarly. Makeup and prosthetics are such an art form. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's really admirable when they can just nail that. Seriously. Exactly. And I guess this is a good time for me to again plug Monster Palooza. If you're into this kind of stuff, definitely try and get yourself there next year. It's amazing. You're coming with me next year, Woo. Liz, by the way. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, if you're into horror movies, special effects, anything like that, bread and butter. It's so good. What do you want to do? Oh, Nothing? we actually have a little more time. Yeah. How do you feel about Cronenberg? You're speaking <laughs> a foreign language to me. Oh, I like so uh, speaking of movie <laughs> effects, um, another director that I really like is Cronenberg. So like The Thing, um, uh scanners right mm-hmm. that was cronenberg uh but like those type i feel like those are the type of like 
not quite it's like the physical effects like the really cool physical effects yeah. we got of just like gore and gnar and like <laughs> Three arms sticking out of someone's back and stuff like that. It's so sad when they replace all of that with computer generated mm -hmm. stuff because I know that takes a lot of work and art too, but it's not as, it doesn't look as real. Seriously. There's nothing at all. Yeah, it's so beautiful in this really morbid way <laughs> that when people can like really nail that kind of gore. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's an art form. And here's where we turn into uh, three six-year-old guys talking about movies, but I'm totally <laughs> with it. Because yeah, I, I the art of physical effects, it adds a lot to the show. And it's like, if you're going to spend the money on programming and rendering, just spend the money on some liquid latex. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. they were able to do it on a budget back then. So it actually should be feasible to do these days. Should and be especially cheaper. in horror yeah. too, it makes it, if, as, if it looks realistic and you can't tell that it's that kind of CGI it's kind of so thing going on. It's so easy to well, spot also, CGI. Exactly. And it's also entirely more horrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if it, someone takes the time and puts the effort into making something. Because you can Look, mistake exactly. it for real so exactly. easily. Yeah. yeah. You're in that's so true. When you see CGI, you're like, oh, crazy CGI. Oh, that's spooky. But when you see someone take a bite out of someone's yeah. shoulder and it looks like, and you're like, well, that's definitely not CGI. Is that person okay? You forget right. you're watching a movie almost. Yeah, mm -hmm. seriously. Well, thank you so much for joining us in studio, Liz. This has been thank such a you fun episode. Um, Liz Blumenthal, I'm going to link all her social medias uh, off the Grim Creeper page. And uh, thank you all so much for listening today. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it when you join us and show your support. We This is just a fabulous opportunity for us that we've gotten to do this show. And get your creep on, folks. Go home and eat all those leftover munchies from last night and uh, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> <laughs>